Welcome to the Daily Cron for Tuesday, March 12th, 2019. I'm Stephen Tolton. Today we're going to go back in time and once again revisit the history of Drexel 1 Mobile. This time talking about version 3. The branch is actually currently in active development in the store. So according to my notes here, version 3.0 was released to the iOS App Store on August 29th, 2014 at 8.26 p.m. The last update I published was December 13th, 2018 at 1.39 p.m., uh, which is version 3.2.15. So this has been uh, four years and counting right now since 2014 that this has been out. And I, of course, I started writing it more like 2013, uh, which I'll get to. So it's been... Uh, wow, like half a decade probably I've been working on this one code base. It's a long time in software. And, uh, hope I get a chance to actually write a version 4 at some point. That's like a whole other podcast. But, so, so version uh, 3 was a complete rewrite of the previous version 2.0 app that I talked about in a previous history of podcast. And it's normally not a good idea to rewrite a complicated piece of software from scratch. But in this case, I think it was it was necessary. And you know, often it's necessary when you have like a when you have to make really huge changes or maybe you're going to re you need to rearchitect it because you have really good reason to. In this case, there was a couple of things. So, uh iOS 7 was announced in June 2013. It was released eventually in September of that same year, and it was a significant redesign featuring a more flat aesthetic, transparencies, a lot of new APIs, especially for, like, uh, view controller transitions and things like that. And so our version 2 design didn't quite feel right on that platform anymore uh, after we saw it. The current app also suffered from some major dependencies on some third-party frameworks that couldn't be easily removed and were really giving me a headache, so especially the 320 framework that I believe at the time was no longer well-supported or was one on its way out that hadn't already been, like, kind of dropped from active development. And I was constantly fighting it related to uh, table view cells. This is hazy, but the way that it handled um, updating the the sizing of cells was, uh, like, a little weird, and I I would end up having a lot of trouble getting the uh, table view cells to size appropriately for the variable height content we were displaying. So you'd have all these visual errors often, and since the whole thing was table-based, version 2, you know, you'd have these these uh, weird uh, visual errors where, you know, things were overlapping in the table and didn't look good, and it caused usability problems. So that was an issue. Uh, the architecture of iOS back then was just changing all the time. Now, like, the fundamentals, like, deep down guts uh, haven't changed nearly as much, but so much was changing in those, those years, even up, up till um, 7. I mean, and we're on 12 now, going on 13, but even... Uh, back then, just the every release would just break stuff for the most part. So, iOS seven being uh, 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 breaking a lot of stuff, and also just being this new design, perhaps rushed. I don't know, depends how you look at it. But that really made us think, okay, we're going to redo this. Plus, we also wanted to fundamentally change the nature of the app. So we wanted to include a, a more more of a dashboard, specifically as we called it, a dashboard screen that would combine data from multiple sources in the app. In like a glanceable view. Uh, we're also reworking some of the API, be more efficient with data transfers. And uh, and at the time, the solution we had for that 
was uh, something that was hotly debated on the team. Uh, I was actually against it on architecture grounds and some other reasons. And eventually it was built uh, and the controversial, you know, me Delta call was born. But I'm, that's a whole other podcast. Eventually uh, we did a lot of these updates and I had to incorporate them. And, I, and so the whole architecture of the client, it made sense to change it because we were changing parts of the API. The operating system was undergoing some major changes we wanted to keep up with uh, and even aesthetically keep up with. Because remember, back at this time, especially, we wanted the apps to fit in to the various platforms they were on. We thought that was important. I still think that's important, uh, but especially then. So we started uh, we started this project. So I began work, I believe, uh, right after iOS 7 was announced. So that would have been WWDC 2013, like June and simultaneously, I had to maintain and uh, continue updating version 2, and it took until late summer 2014 for version 3 to be ready, mostly because the mandate that I, got, I ended up getting was that the new app had to include all features of the old one. And we had a lot of features. We still do. So many of them that we, uh, for version 3, we ended up adopting the hamburger menu UI pattern for navigation, which is a very non-standard UI pattern on iOS that I regret using today. It's discouraged by Apple. No native UI kit components support it. But we basically needed the, the junk drawer to hold all the links. So it's actually a very common design pattern, very popular. You'll probably still see it today. And it was back then even more popular. So I think it was a defensible call at the time. But today I would, I would definitely try to avoid it. And I, I never recommend using a hamburger menu. That, that's like the, the three little lines on the corner. You tap that and it would show like a vertical menu. You know, hamburger man, you see it all, all the time on websites. If you look at a website, it's on your phone. You'll often see that. And actually, I think it's a little more defensible on a website. But on the app, uh, that's, you know, it's it's popular also on Android, or it was. But on iOS, usually you don't do that. And it's not like a native UI element. So I actually, uh, we had to implement that. And we wanted all the apps to be kind of similar in structure, relatively similar, so that they could be navigated effectively. Even though till to this day, like two like uh, two thirds or more of the of the users are on iOS, uh, it's still always good to try to have some kind of consistency. And uh, let's see, I was also uh, I also back then I, I think I ended up using more third party libraries than I probably would have liked, but uh, you know. Today I would I would I would definitely try to use do less of them, but at the time I mean it was under a lot of a lot of pressure too, and I was still growing as an iOS developer, so I you know I didn't know how to do all the stuff that I can now, and or I didn't know how to figure it out even, and you know I just need to get this out the door because I said it took me a long time to build three like too long, and near the end of the project got kind of tense because I was trying to get it done, I was feeling burned out, and management understandably upset about how long it was taking. And you know that's kind of that's kind of typically software for you. Like it, it nearly always takes longer than you expect it will, and especially when you insist that the new uh, version has 100% feature parity at launch, and you're building it from scratch. Uh, it's basically a recipe for uh, it it to take a lot longer than you expect. Uh, and it, that's what was the case here. I mean, eventually got it done though. That was a long time ago. So, uh, but it, it was it was a tough tough uh, slog actually for me. Um, part of it, part of it was also Objective C at the time. Uh, some of the things we were trying to do, like some of the API changes we were making, 
they were like the Me Delta thing, which I don't want to go into right now because it's kind of complicated, but it was a very complicated kind of single call that would give you a lot of different kinds of data. And we didn't really have a standard to go by, so we're making up as we went along. Uh, today, you'd, you'd probably use some some kind of other uh, standard to kind of query the uh, API, but we didn't have that, so we were doing it ourselves. And the problem with it is parsing it and keeping track of all the state was really complicated, and I ended up having to build this this very kind of complicated set of classes to, to try to keep it all straight, which turned out to be good because I, I think I had less bugs dealing with that call than the Android side did for a while because because uh, I had spent so much time trying to get something that was like relatively testable and and uh, and broken down so I could comprehend it sort of when I <laughs> go back and look at it. it. Usually takes me like like twenty minutes, but I can kind of figure out what what's going on anyway nowadays. Uh, so there was a lot of that going on. So that's why. Right. So it took a long time. But when we launched it, we launched it in the store as a separate SKU. So it it showed up in the store as a different app, and we kept the old app. We renamed it Drex One Classic. I remember this was like a whole debate. I didn't think we should have done it that way because, especially at the time, I mean, Apple, you know, had envisioned this whole process with apps that you would just buy the app and get updates for it. And I figured, let's just do that. That way, we don't have this complication of trying to like build in an alert system, the old one, tell people to go to the new app, and you know, over the years, uh, more people have done the whole new app thing. That's actually still somewhat common today. Makes a lot of sense, especially if you're selling an app. But we weren't, and so I was like, why don't we just do this? But on the other hand, if you have, um, you know, the one app and you upgrade it and people hate it, or if you have a lot of bugs in it or something, that could be a real detriment. So we didn't want to to risk that, and that's understandable. I think we probably made the right call in the end. Uh, I was probably, you know, I was against it at the time, but now in retrospect, I think we probably made the right call to have both of them at the same time, because a more of a staged, uh, careful transition to the new app, it, that was that was better for me, too, because it means I could fix bugs in the new app and be like, okay, well, if it's if it's really broken here, you could still use the other app for a while. And so we kept the other one around uh, for a while until eventually I took it out of the store. And when we removed it from the store, I could still see for a long time afterwards in the analytics that people were still using it. Like, people had downloaded this app a long time ago, like just left on their phone and they just kept using it. I think for like their entire time they were at Trexel, they just never updated it to the new version. I mean, it was like the numbers kept decreasing, but I would regularly see pings from devices running the old version and I would be flabbergasted at one point because I was like, how is this even working? You know, like I didn't even think it ran anymore. <laughs> and it was using the old version of our API too, because we rewrote re-implement a lot of API stuff. So I'm like, how is any of this working? Because, you know, we basically were, were not supporting the old API at that point. So I don't know. But people people like to stick with what they know. And they, they knew, they liked the old one, version 2. At least some people did for a long time. So I always found that amusing. I would just check at the stats. And they would, you know, they, they'd slow, slowly go down over month after month. So the new app, though, I think was generally well-received. And we've continued to update it to this day, adding a lot more features to it. Uh, you know, more sto- I got more stories I could tell about this version three branch and the stuff we've we've uh, crammed into it. But uh, by the end of the the version three oh launch, though, I was burned out. It took me a long time to recover. Uh, and uh, it, it was it was just it was a tough time. I and mean, it's today like I would like to do I would like to rewrite uh, some of this app again. You know, maybe make a Swift app, use some of the new architectures, you know, uh, frameworks you can use and 
the new APIs you can use and do things in a more standard UI kit way. But, you know, if I do that, though, I mean, I only do it if I can really uh, maybe, like, drop some features because there's just so much in there. I feel like I'm going to have to, though, make a version 4 at some point because, like, we're going to get we're gonna get things like Dark Mode probably next year, and I'm not sure uh, if I can support that easily. Um, you know, the iPad version of this, it's like, a, it's like a universal app. The iPad views are a little wonky. Now, luckily, very few people use the iPad view, but it's like, it's wonky. And a lot of it has to do with, like, it's old, I'm using old deprecated calls. Um, I can't really use size classes in most areas. It's just, it's just a little wonky. And it, and some of it is just really, it would be difficult to change without fundamentally altering a lot of code so it's at, at the point where i feel like refactoring it and this is another reason why you would want to rewrite it up i think refactoring the app would be i think i would be changing more than 25 percent or or even more of the entire app maybe even like 50 percent or more of the app would have to change to refactor it and we're all and you know and if we ever change like the api stuff the api is kind of long in the tooth too at this point so if that architecture changes in the future uh, that's another reason why you might want to you might want to rewrite an app when your your back end changes significantly too. But you know, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen yet <laughs> with that stuff. For now, we're keeping version three running. I'm still updating it. Uh, it still works. Uh, it's pretty stable. I mean, I update it every year with uh, whenever the new iOS comes out. We have new features to add to it. It's still an active development. It's not that bad of a design, even. You know, I would say. Definitely, I would do it differently today in places, but it's not a terrible design. I mean, I really tried, even given my limited knowledge at the time, to design something that was flexible enough that I could maintain it for the long haul. And I think for the most part, I did an okay job or even a good job in places. Some some areas of the app are really easy to update and, and change, and uh, some areas, not so much. But for the most part, I, I, it's definitely a lot easier to uh, to mess with than I think version two was. So that's good. I mean, with software, you wanna you want your projects to you want to be writing for your future self and the future people who are gonna have to be maintaining this app. So I tried to do that, and I tried to break things down. I tried to document stuff properly, and oh man! But even back then, though, with the iOS seven, there was just so many things that you couldn't do natively you can now like even json parsing like i did a lot of work on a crazy json um parsing system to like take json turn into native objects and archive them and uh, this whole caching layer and stuff and i did all that stuff uh myself because the existing libraries the third-party libraries weren't really what i needed and uh, you couldn't really do the parsing super easily yourself like it, it wasn't as easy as now like if you know swift like you can just it's like built-in support. They just be like, "Here's my, here's the, here's my, here's what my, uh, you know, my struct looks like, my object looks like." Here he is, just encode it and decode it. It's real easy. It wasn't hard, hard, but I, uh, there were just things. I think there's limitations. Objective C, that just I just ended up wanting it to work a certain way that I couldn't find another way uh, of making it work. So I just wrote it myself. At one point, I even thought about turning it into an open source project, but I couldn't get permission to do that so it never became any kind of open source thing probably not even worth it <laughs> at the time it wasn't like it was the greatest code in the world but 
you know, we were busy and I couldn't get permission to open source anything in there. So, oh well, uh, it's fine at this point. None of this code is worth is worth sharing. It's just all legacy code, basically, at this point. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I have a lot, I probably have a lot more stories, uh, especially as I think about it from from the years. I mean, I've been working on this thing for a long time, working on backend stuff. You know, did push notifications that you know work with these things, and did, you know, I still work on that. I do API work. I've done the you know and done like basically an entire app built into this app a couple like a few years ago we essentially took the Jackson one app and we built a whole other app into it but these are all like stories for another day and this is already going uh pretty long for one of these so i think i'm gonna stop it here and uh say so that's it for this uh edition of the daily cron if you'd like to get in touch you can find social media links and a contact button on the webpage dailycronpodcast.com and uh i'll talk to you later